Hello, this is Patrick Widdis welcoming you to the fourth edition of Poetry Non-Stop. Today I'm joined by Jenny Pagden, who has found poetry a powerful medium for exploring the inexpressible, especially in relation to her experiences of mental illness. Her debut pamphlet, called Beck, deals with her experiences of postnatal psychosis. I asked her how she first became interested in poetry. I first started writing poetry as a child. I think we would have been asked to write them in primary school, but also I found that if I wrote poems rather than pieces of prose, I could get away with fewer words, and I really enjoyed the the activity of rhyming things. So quite early on I was writing things for RE lessons or things for history lessons, which were ditties which were poems um and there I do remember finding coming across a particular poem in a book I used to enjoy reading poetry at home and I would have been around eight or nine when I found a poem about the Klondike River in Canada which was which really moved me because it was sentimental and I'd never really experienced that emotion of enjoying sadness until I found this this one poem I've looked for it since and not been able to come across it again but um, that was quite influential well maybe we can track it down yeah. somehow yeah if yeah. you can I'd be very grateful um, and I like the idea of using poetry to cut down on your homework yes <laughs> yes it was good yeah. like that um, yeah I, I think I really enjoyed playing with rhyme and form as a as a young child and then poetry aside while I was in my teenage years although it was still something that I, I, I decided as a child that I wanted to be a poet. Um, in my teens, I still held that ambition, but wasn't able to write. I remember I did put something in the school magazine, which was a poem. Uh, that's probably all I wrote in those years. And then when I was an undergraduate, I found a way into it. And uh, you've continued since then. You've uh, published one collection. Yeah, I've published one mm. pamphlet uh, in 2017 called called back and I would say that my writing in the years since graduation has been on and off and mainly Mm. off but the last couple of years since getting called back ready I've come back on board with it and also in between my undergraduate degree and where we are now I did an MA so which was creative writing so those years were packed full of poetry as well but there have been many wilderness ones in between. When you came on, you uh, uh, mentioned you wanted to talk about the inexpressible in yes. poetry. What uh, interests you in that concept? Just the idea that perhaps the romantic idea that poetry has got the ability to hint at things that are so difficult to describe that other language can't get anywhere near. I think that that special power of poetry has always drawn me. And when did you first notice that poetry could do that? Probably as a teenager to some extent, but I was more conscious of it at university. So I was trying to... I didn't actually do this, but I was interested for a while in writing on hymns um, and religious poetry for my degree and um, looking at that sort of poetry like Jeremiah Hopkins or Traverne's or poetry that, that hints at something that can't quite be... Fully expressed. And how did you go about bringing that into your own poetry? In terms of the metaphysical, I think that's something that 
I'm just beginning to work on now. What I where the inexpressible has appeared a lot more in my poetry is in terms of looking at psychosis and the experience of poor mental health. And I've called back the pamphlet was focused on my experience of having postnatal psychosis out of the blue where my son was born and so I think sometimes in that in those poems it's come across through a metaphor sometimes through a sort of broken narrative like like I have a line after the stigmata it took the first week to have breakfast and I think that's quite a um well it's jump cuts in the narrative leaving a lot not said and a lot not explained. Mm. Sometimes I've, I've talked about things very directly, like saying I was sickening for psychosis more than sickening. Uh, other times used things that really happened, like the fact that I was beginning to wonder if I could fly or another time that I felt elated by the glitter in the floor tiles. Um, so little, I suppose, glimpses of, of what it's like. But I think there remains something that's very hard yes. to put in, into words. So one place where I, I feel I got near but still showed that this isn't fully expressible, still showed that there's something ineffable, was, and to this day I can get jittery because the sky just goes on and on. Um, could you perhaps say a bit more about the, the symptoms of your condition? Yeah, so psychosis means a, a break with reality, mm. with shared reality. So I was having hallucinations and delusions, you know, misguided beliefs. Also, everything, I saw a lot of connections everywhere. So I was unable to stop making connections. If I picked up a book, I would turn to the page about the publication and say, oh my goodness, it was published in London, I've been to London, and so on and so on, things would build in my mind mm. so uh, a super connectivity um hypersensitive senses mania which, which meant real elation real high mood and euphoria uh, speaking very fast and was writing poetry part of overcoming that or did you write the poetry reflecting on it later mostly reflecting on it later i did while i was in hospital write one poem which is in Callback, and it just it came out as a complete poem. I think I could have done a lot more, but I had my baby to look after, and I had recovery to do, and you yes. know it wasn't encouraged that I spent a lot of time writing. But I think actually, the the manic and psychotic state is probably a very creative one if you're in a position to be able to use it in that way. Yes, and uh, you've brought a few poems to share. So I'd like to read as the first one, one about illness. This is called Snow Globe. It's written quite recently and it refers to being in a hospital, as you will see. Snow Globe. All those weeks, the summer waited for me like a snow globe. Around the time I thought I could fly, one of those weeks when I felt elated by the glitter in the floor tiles and when my heart and mouth were full of song, Feet starry from the seeds and grains, the dust of noon. I was making and making the bed twice a day, half lifted on dry flaring storms. The nurse said it wasn't my fault. I handed round parsley like Ophelia, thinking she meant the sheets. And the other poems that I've brought along today, I suppose, hint more at um, something that's inexpressible, but not related to psychosis and mental illness so these 
um, something more metaphysical. The first one is called animation. The first time was an accident, though no one would believe me. I had to lock two in the tea chest, all pastel faces and coarse black hair. An epileptic nausea forked through the purple and my thumbs were two pounding circuits and my ears rang metallically. Now, while Nanny sleeps, I brush the fire in my amber beads, trace the pulse in the walls, click my key forward and back. You've got these very strong images, a lot of them quite disjointed. Is that intentional? Yeah, I think it is in different ways, intentional with Mm. with both poems. So in Snow Globe, I hope it reflects the state of mind that the imagery jumps around quite a lot. And yeah, with, with animation, I suppose I picture it as being a child speaking who is disbelieved by those around and uh, has gone through some quite wild experiences with with these dolls. Um, and so I suppose that, that he or she that can only speak with very strong images because their head is just, just too mm. full of electricity. Yes, what inspired that one? I'm not sure. I can't remember. I wrote it during my MA, so it's quite a while back. I, I've always been interested in electricity, so that connection makes sense to me. But it, it wasn't that I'd read something, it wasn't a dream. I, it just, it just mm. came. Good. And uh, you have another poem? I do have another poem. Uh, this one is also fairly recent. It's called The Book of Thank You. I cupped my hands. The petals fell into them lightly. I opened my lips. A tune emerged like a freed wren. It was warm in the park and the magnolias were candelabra. Thank you, I called in no particular direction. That's a much more peaceful, positive one, it seems, than the other two. Yes, yes, yes. I suppose it's a a spring poem and a gratitude poem. Mm. Is this an experience you're still writing about now? The Book of Thank You. Not right now, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if I went back to something like this. I'd like. I would like to write more poems which allude to something spiritual. And um, are you working on anything at the moment? I am. Yes, I'm working on a pamphlet or collection, but probably a pamphlet, which will, which is looking at slightly metaphysical or unreal happenings so I'm at the moment I'm saving the book of thank you poem towards that and I've I've collected a few short narrative poems which tell metaphysical stories so yes I'm hoping to write more in that kind of direction great and um, that poem the book of thank you uh, leads quite nicely into the writing exercise you've got for us so I'll talk you through the exercise and how it works I'd like you for three days to keep a gratitude diary and on each of those days you probably want to write it in the evening you would list at least three things that you feel grateful for It really doesn't matter who you're grateful to. It's definitely not a religious practice. It doesn't require any beliefs. But research shows that noting down what we're grateful for can help us feel happier and it's 
it's not a bad habit to follow every now and then. It's actually, I've, I've read, better to do it every now and then rather than regularly because it, it beca- it's more spontaneous and more genuine if it's sporadically done. So, yeah, it's not like flossing. My second stage, so after the gratitude diary, my suggestion would be to have a look for some odes or praise poems. Like, I really like John Keats' work um, on, on the odes, but Pablo Neruda would be another example with Ode to a Large Tuna in the Market. And then, having read that perhaps on day four, at another occasion, spend some time thinking of the last time something made you happy. So can you feel grateful to anyone or to the universe at large for this? And if possible, have a chat with a friend about what it was that made you feel this way. And then the next stage is when you feel ready to start drawing out a gratitude map using pen and paper and basically making a spider diagram. And it is fine to draw as well as to write. And then I would let those things uh, infuse. And when you feel ready, when the moment takes you, I think you probably do need to feel genuine at this point. Then then use your map to develop a poem. So allow whatever it is that you're grateful for to lead the form of the work. Some tricks that I've found helpful in the past are thinking about odes or hymns or list poems, but you may have different ideas and good luck with it. Great. And I'll perhaps sort of talk through my experiences of doing it. Um, I think the first thing I'd say it does sound like quite a long and complicated process, but there is a series of quite simple steps and uh, especially the uh, first step of keeping the gratitude diary. Um, that's uh, really interesting. I found it quite hard at first to think of things I was grateful for but um, after doing it for a day or two you kind of start to notice things during your day that are good and you can be grateful for and um, even if that's the only thing you do it's a great exercise um, to just uh, build you know, positivity and general wellness and then reading of poems and reflecting on your experiences it will work really well to go sort of think of things that you want to write about and um, inspiration for writing about them. And I found towards the end I had one or two ideas of things I wanted to write about and I started making notes and doing a few drafts. And then I suddenly uh, thought of something completely different and a poem came to me almost fully formed. And I don't know if it's a gratitude poem in the strictest sense, but it comes from a a time when I felt grateful and uh, it's definitely a product of this exercise. Um, So I'll uh, read that now. It's called Seagull. I had not kissed you yet. That and the rest were still to come on that afternoon of golden sun and gentle breeze when we walked the city streets. You told me of the time you rescued a seagull caught on a fishing line, how its beak slashed your arm as you reached out to remove the hook. Our shadows stretched into the distance as we walked towards your side of town. 
But I feared all the promises I'd failed to keep when I planted that first peck on your cheek. I like how you position yourself in an interesting point in time. You know, well, the narrator seems to have a lot of foreknowledge of how the relationship yes. is going to go. And, yeah, it's a good sense of excitement and foreboding. And... No, it's um, interesting. It's, it's nice to have an exercise which gets you working on something over time and encourages you to read as well as write and reflect as well and i think with with this and uh indeed any exercise when you have a poem at the end of it it you shouldn't think too much about whether it uh fits the brief just mm. think of it as a poem and mm. you know what you're trying to say and how successful that has been mm. um yeah do you have uh, anything to add I think another area of things that I've thought about when I was preparing for this is the inexpressible again and physical pain, which I've only experienced through labour. That's the only time I've really experienced pain. And and that was another point where I felt really pressed to try and put into words something which is, is quite extreme and just quite difficult. So I, I managed it in two places one of which I'm not very pleased with and the other I like mm. but I'd like to talk about both so yes. in one poem I said I have passed through fire which I find a bit cliched but in another um, I just I alluded to it more lightly so it's shown through the movement of my hand rather than any more direct description of what the pain is like so the other line are heavy pressed bare against the rails my hand still grasping for the mask and I think or hope that that action of the body expresses you know carries the meaning and um was there any techniques or processes that sort of helped you to arrive to those stronger ways of expressing these things I think it's just been reading to be honest reading and including reading my own work critically but reading other poets and I'm not particularly conscious that it's it's one person in particular who's influenced me to improve my writing as the years have gone on, but I think all of the of the reading I've done together seeps in. And... Well, it's been great. And um, can I plug my pamphlet? Certainly. Thank you. Uh, so Called Back was published in 2017 with Eyewear, and as I said, it talks about my postnatal psychosis. And it was described by Ramona Herdman as telling a story, but telling it slant. So I won't give everything away, but do go and have a look. You've been listening to Poetry Nonstop with Jenny Pagden and me, Patrick Widdith. You can find out more about Jenny and details of her pamphlet called Beck on the website poetrynonstop.com. You will also find details of Jenny's writing exercise, which I encourage you to try. It helps develop reading and writing habits which are good for anyone who wants to write and it's good for your general well-being. Send contributions to poetrynonstop at gmail.com, share on the blog or on social media using the hashtag poetrynonstop. Thanks for listening. This is a new podcast and if you think it's worthwhile and if you've listened this far I'm guessing you do, please help spread the word. Please subscribe and write a short review on iTunes 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Share with friends and social media contacts. Please like and follow us on any of the social media networks you use. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search for Poetry Nonstop or find the links on the website. Anything you can do to build the audience helps and it's much appreciated. Thanks to Jenny for some great poetry today. Thank you for listening and keep writing. On next week's podcast, I speak to Avulians, a poet, writer, scientist and student at UEA here in Norwich. As someone living with autism, they talk about how writing helps them express the challenges and frustrations that that condition brings, but also how seeing the world differently fuels their creativity. Ringing red lips resounding around the room, aniseed accent lingering for me to lick off long after, trembling taste, and you smell blindingly bright, while your pheromones take lightest flight on softest feathers, and in a million more ways than I can convey you impress yourself upon me, but I can't say because the words are wrong, not at all applicable. No one knows what it means for eyes to chime or how a song can spin. I worry when the iceberg looks down and sees only the surface of the sea, what it must think, wondering why it doesn't sink. And all I want to tell you is you're more.